0: If you haven't had a chance to check out my woman in supply chain part 16, you want to go and check that out now. Nozuko is a female entrepreneur trailblazing a path for other women in supply chain in South Africa, where the challenge are challenges actually are in abundance because it's even more male dominated than it is here in North America. So to go and listen to that episode, go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 53. And in your supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I just got back from TPM and the ISM Diversity Conference. That one was in Houston. TPM was in Long Beach. And what an amazing experience. I moderated the leadership panel at TPM and I got to ask some of the questions my listeners sent to me on Listener's Corner a few weeks back. Plus I loved their woman in supply chain afternoon and I was able to participate there you <laughs> Plus, I was also able to talk about the fact that I have just been named the top 100 influential women in Canadian supply chain. And that is all thanks to SCMA. And I am so grateful, so blessed to be a part of that group of women. So thank you to IHS for having me, JOC for having me at TPM. Thank you so much for ISM for having me at your diversity conference. And thank you so much To SCMA for acknowledging the efforts and and everything that I'm doing in supply chain. So, I was also, I also had the privilege to go on a tour of the Port of Long Beach and the Port of LA while I was there. And what an incredible experience that was! You know, it was timely considering that I am talking to them on the show today. But before we do, let's get into listeners' corner. So one quick thing, um, I am going to be doing some short episodes, actually, with the questions that you gave me to ask at TPM. I was able to get Jeremy Nixon, John McCauley of Cargill, and... Um, Peter Winter from Panelpina to do very quick interviews based on some of your questions and I will be releasing those completely separate. So today we're actually going through the question that I asked for Panelpina which was if you had five minutes with the global head of ocean freight for a freight forwarder what would you ask them? And some of the questions were how are you adopting a digital supply chain model to stay relevant? How are you or do you view Flexport, Amazon and Uber freight model as and are they competition? Are they the uh, future of the industry? So stay tuned because I am going to be releasing those nuggets coming up very soon. And remember to send me in your supply chain questions, listener at letstalksupplychain.com and join in on the conversation every single Wednesday on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. So the West Coast is the gateway to North America from Asia to California and has easily some of the busiest ports in the world. So here to tell us about how they manage the volume and how they are staying on top of innovation to keep our economy going is Dr. Noel Hasegaba. And he is... You know, I really loved interviewing him because the Port of Long Beach, it's super, super important to our economy. And I'm so glad that I was able to, you know, just bring him on the show and tell you a little bit about what they're doing. So let's learn a little bit more about him. So he was appointed to the position of Deputy Executive Director in August 2018 by the Board of Harbor Commissioners. He is responsible for managing the day to day activities of the port's administrative and operations functions including finance, human resources, real estate, business development, customer service, and security. Previously, Noel served as the port's acting deputy executive director and chief operating officer and was responsible for managing the day-to-day business activities of the port. He began his career at the port in 2010... And he has more than 23 years of public and private sector experience spanning a variety of industries. And prior to joining the port, he managed $200 in contracts for a Fortune 500 company. In earlier roles, he served as a senior staff member for an elected official, a business executive for a growing company engaged in international trade, a research analyst for a policy research group, and as a management consultant. So welcome to the show. Noel,
1: it's great to be here. Sarah, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for taking the time to come on the show because I think that a lot of people hear about the Port of Long Beach, but they don't they they might not know enough about it. So, I really want you to tell us about the Port of Long Beach. Who is the Port of Long Beach, and what do you do exactly?
1: Well, thanks for the opportunity. The Port of Long Beach is is one of the world's premier seaports and a premier gateway for trans-Pacific trade. In fact. Uh, Globally, uh, the combined ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles, which is known internationally as the San Pedro Bay Ports Complex, is the ninth busiest uh, complex in the world. And here in the United States, the Port of Long Beach is the second busiest. So we are a major gateway, a major player in the supply chain. Uh, We pride ourselves in offering world-class customer service, uh, pursuing operational excellence, By offering the best facilities and world-class leading customer service, we become a port of choice. In fact, our gateway, as I mentioned earlier, is is the major gateway into the United States. Approximately 40% of all waterborne imports cross uh, our docks each year uh, that make their way into the hinterland, and, and nearly $200 billion in trade flows across our docks each year. And that supports, we estimate, about 600,000 jobs in Southern California and well over 2 million jobs across the nation. But to answer your question, what exactly do we do? Well, in short, we make it possible for businesses to get their goods and materials to market as quickly, reliably, and efficiently as possible. And we're constantly building on, on that value proposition that we offer our supply chain customers and stakeholders by optimizing the supply chain, by upgrading and modernizing our infrastructure and leveraging technology and applying the resources that are coming up in in the technology pipeline to ensure that the handoff points uh, within the supply chain are as efficient and seamless as possible. So we're very excited about the brand that we've developed over the years. Uh, We've been in business for over 100 years, but the way that we think, the way that we approach what we do um, is very much like a, a modern company. Uh, we're all about understanding the customer's needs, understanding their pain points, and making sure that we're aligning our product and our service to their needs.
0: Absolutely. And I love that. Congratulations. So many accolades and so, many, so much that you're doing for the supply chain community. I mean, 40% of all the imports coming through your port, is it's a lot to handle,
1: you know, it really is, Sarah, and, and we take we take that uh, responsibility very seriously. We know that we have um, tons of businesses, tons of supply, ch- uh, supply chain partners that rely on our gateway, and we take it very seriously. Their business is our business, and to the extent that we can help them meet their business objectives, then that becomes our success. And you know, we're, we're very pleased uh, about the confidence placed in our gateway. I can tell you that The fact that we've had consecutive record-breaking years, in in our view, is evidence of that trust that uh, our customers have placed in our gateway. Uh, Last year, we handled 8.1 million container units. The year before, it was 7.9. So we're on a very, very good trajectory uh, to continue delivering world-class customer service and operational excellence.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because your team recently posted that 2018 was your busiest year to date. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure.
1: 2018 was a unique year in many ways. If you remember, uh, 2018 was when the rhetoric escalated surrounding tariffs uh, between uh, the U.S. and China. And that rhetoric and and the the, the proposed and and announced tariffs uh, incentivize a lot of uh, U.S. based shippers that have their goods manufactured overseas, primarily in China, to move their product sooner in an effort to get ahead of the tariffs. So we believe that a a, a primary factor in the record-setting year we had in 2018 was that strategic decision by the shippers. Now, as I said a moment ago, 2017 was also a record year. Uh, we handled seven seven uh, 7.9 million TU. And the fact that we were able to eclipse that just a year later uh, shows, again, the confidence that customers are placing our gateway. But it also um, manifests and and, and expresses uh, some of these trends and, and some of these uh, policy decisions surrounding tariffs. So we're, we're keeping an eye, a very close eye on what's happening uh, on, the tr- on the tariff side, but we're continuing to focus, uh, keep a very uh, clear focus on how we can build on our value proposition and ensure that uh, we're lining up our, our product and service offerings uh, to meet the needs of our customers.
0: Absolutely. And you spoke a little bit about um, technology, and innovation, and how even though you're a hundred year old company, you are at the forefront of both of those. So, why don't you tell us what the Port of Long Beach is doing in the innovation space? How are you making it faster and easier to move in and out of the port, track goods? You know, what exactly are you investing in when it comes to technology as well?
1: Sarah, you're, you're raising a great question. I mean, in fact, it's something we think about uh, daily. And that is, how can we continue to build on our value proposition uh, with the existing footprint? So over that 100-year period, our port has grown, but we've reached a point where we're pretty close to our uh, physical capacity. So in order for us to accommodate additional cargo, in order for us to accommodate The bigger ships that we're seeing on a more regular basis. I'm talking about ships that can carry as many as 18,000 container units. We're looking at ways to process those containers in a reliable, seamless, efficient manner. And we're doing that by taking a a three-part approach. The first is we we have to upgrade and modernize our facilities. We need to make sure that our physical infrastructure uh, that we have in place is adequate to be able to handle that surge in volume. And we, over the last 10 years, have invested and committed $4 billion, which is far and away the largest capital investment plan of any port in North America. We're we're building new bridges. We're upgrading terminals. We're modernizing our facilities. The second piece has to do with how we use our land. And we're looking at ways to uh, use our land more strategically uh, by placing uh, certain operations, within our footprint in a more strategic and systematic matter. And that leads us to the third point, which goes to the heart of your question. We're also looking at the emergence of technology and how that those technologies are being applied in, 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 in different industries. The space we operate in is a supply chain of discrete businesses and entities that are interdependent, but not necessarily connected. And so what we have found is that in order for us to be able to do our part to enable the supply chain is we have to apply what works in other spaces and other industries to ours. And even though our industry has been around for a long, long time, uh, what we're finding and what we're learning is that the only way we're going to be able to build on our value proposition is by applying technology. So let me give you an example. Uh, One of the things that we discovered uh, as recently as four or five years ago is the need to inject visibility and transparency into the supply chain. As I, as I mentioned, uh, we're a very interdependent supply chain, but we're not necessarily coordinated or connected. This is where technology can play a pivotal role. By developing a port information portal that uh, connects all the supply chain partners along the lines of a plat- of a common user platform, It injects that visibility and it allows everybody to have access to to data, have access to the whereabouts of a container so that they can make real time decisions uh, uh, with regard to their labor and with regard to their equipment. So we have partnered with General Electric Transportation to implement a pilot demonstration of their Port Optimizer platform. Uh, The Port Optimizer is a cloud based system that uh, connects Um, uh, uh, different uh, supply chain uh, participants uh, through technology, through data. And the whole idea is to give everyone in the supply chain advanced visibility to the whereabouts of a container so that they can plan their operations, their equipment, their labor accordingly, and so that they can make real-time decisions and optimize Their their operations, and the pilot demonstration included three of our terminals. Uh, It included uh, several of our shipping lines, trucking companies, and many of our beneficial cargo owners. And we're at a point now where uh, we're exploring ways to determine how we're going to continue to partner with General Electric on a going-forward basis. So that's one example. Another example of how we're we're applying technology to our supply chain and our operations is the pairing of predictive analytics to a truck appointment system. So within the Port of Long Beach, all of our container terminals have some kind of appointment system. And this helps to meter out truck traffic throughout the day. It it injects visibility uh, to uh, truck operations, marine terminal operations. But it also allows, uh, by pairing up the truck appointment system to predictive availability, it allows um, a trucking companies and their shippers who hire them to make appointments five days before a ship arrives. Now, you might think um, that that's not a big deal, but let me put that in context. Today, without predictive availability, a trucking company can book an appointment only after a ship arrives at the terminal and only after the container has been discharged from the ship. So this ability to schedule an appointment for container pickup at the Marine Terminal five days before a ship arrives is significant. It, 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 I can't tell you uh, how, um, how much of an improvement and enhancement that is, not just for the trucking company and their shipper, but also for the Marine Terminal operator who has to schedule labor, who has to schedule the use of their equipment, and who has to optimize their operation. So these are just two examples of of how we're leveraging technology that is uh, commonly used in other spaces and industries and how, how we're applying that to improve operations here at the Port of Long Beach.
0: Those are absolutely great examples. And I concur, you know, it is definitely a very, very big deal to be able to make those appointments up to five days in advance. I mean, my background is working with a freight forwarder and one of the biggest frustrations was being able to pick up the containers within the time frame that we needed before storage started and you know trying to avoid waiting time for the for the trucking companies so that is absolutely a big deal and uh, I love the two examples that you were able to share with us so before I ask you what keeps you up at night. I just want to I just want to touch on the collaboration piece just a little bit more because it sounds like you are investing in technology. You're bringing together the ecosystem, bringing together visibility. And you talk about the carriers, you talk about the the BCOs. What about the freight forwarders? Are you involved with them and how can the port, ocean carriers, freight forwarders and shippers collaborate just a little bit more?
1: Excellent question, and the short answer is yes. Freight forwarders are very important to our business. Um, We meet with them regularly. Uh, Our goal is to understand their business needs and how we can align our product and our service to theirs to make sure that they're successful. Um, The the issue of collaboration dovetails on on the, the prior question about technology. and A good segue is, in my opinion, technology is a tool. By itself, it's just a tool. It becomes a solution when you can integrate the technology into, the, into a broader goods movement or freight system. And that's where collaboration uh, becomes critically important. In order for, the, for this port information portal or this uh, predictive availability appointment system to be effective, they need to be integrated. And the only way we're going to reach integration, Sarah, is by ensuring that there's adequate collaboration between the different segments in the supply chain. And I'm talking about the the entire supply chain. You know, historically, uh, ports, uh, port authorities like ours in the old days were primarily concerned with uh, their jurisdiction. In other words, the terminal space, the yard space and anything beyond that or anything in the water uh, that preceded the ship's arrival was not in our domain. Well, that paradigm is in the past now. Our vision and our view is now the broader supply chain, because what we've learned is the only way we can optimize the supply chain and add value uh, to the supply chain is by ensuring that we understand our role in the broader global supply chain and ensuring that there's adequate collaboration, communication, and coordination. And so these technology platforms that we're demonstrating here at our port that we're applying to the supply chain are just an example of how we're using technology to foster collaboration and how we're engaging the supply chain partners to collaborate in order to be able to integrate these technology platforms to the supply chain. So we're convinced that uh, bringing the stakeholder uh, community together uh, bringing the entire uh, port ecosystem together, sitting around the common table uh, and having a common conversation is the best way to understand each other's role, understand each other's needs, and then uh, start uh, working together to ensure that we're, we're identifying viable solutions uh, that help all of our business interests move forward.
0: That's a great point, because the mindset around supply chain is definitely changing. And, you know, supply chain... They're now correlating directly to the customer experience. So they're, you know, everybody involved in that end to end supply chain, whether it is the ocean carrier, whether it's the port, whether it's the freight forwarder, whether it is that importer, whether it's the distribution facility, every single touch point in that supply chain is affecting that customer experience because so many things can happen along the way. So many, th- so many great things, so many bad things. And, um, you know, if there's a delay that's, that's, you know, affecting the new customer experience and what customers are, are um, you know, looking for from those companies, from the retailers, that kind of thing. And I know that one of the biggest shipper complaints is communication and it is transparency. So you spoke about visibility previously, and I just sort of brought up maybe service disruptions being, you know, correlated to that end customer experience being part of that end-to-end supply chain. So what is the Port of Long Beach doing to increase transparency, communication and reliability so that we're minimizing that risk, minimizing the service disruptions?
1: Transparency, communication, reliability are all interconnected. You can't have one without the other. And we can't communicate enough. Uh, I happen to believe that as a port authority, uh, we're very, very successful at communicating. We communicate daily. We communicate with all segments of the supply chain. We have a commercial operations team that's second to none. We have a communications team that's second to none, uh, constantly winning awards for our initiatives, our programs, our efforts. But staying close in close communication with our industry partners and our and our customers is critical because it, it, it does no good if the customer doesn't know what we're doing to improve uh, their supply chain. It, it, it doesn't add value if the industry doesn't know how much we're in, that we're investing four billion dollars to upgrade modernize our facilities so that they can be more successful ultimately. And so communication becomes critical. And it's that communication, Sarah, that that engenders transparency. Uh, because uh, the, the more we communicate, uh, the more we the contact we have with the customers and, and the supply chain partners, uh, the more uh, visible we are in front of the port ecosystem, the greater transparency that will create. And it's communication and transparency uh, that get us to a point where we can establish a brand of reliability. So. As we continue to strengthen our business relationships, we're always looking for uh, the means of staying in close communication with our customers and even our potential customers. Uh, here at home, for instance, uh, one of the ways that we uh, create platforms to be able to convey important messages and updates about what we're doing is we host our signature state of the port event once a year where uh, we deliver an update to the entire industry and really the entire ecosystem about what's happening at the port, uh, what our plans are going forward, our investments, um, we convey and communicate our understanding of the pain points and what we're doing to troubleshoot and address those, those issues. We also have another unique program that is also a wonderful platform called pulse of the ports. And this is an event where we bring all the segments of the supply chain together. In a, in, in a panel format. And we ask each individual from where they sit in the supply chain to talk about their outlook for the next year, talk about peak season, talk about the, the pain points, talk about their challenges, and then have a conversation together in front of an audience uh, about what we need to do together uh, to uh, apply resources, technology, and identify solutions. So uh, these are just two examples of how we go out of our way to ensure that we're communicating. Because again, communication breeds transparency. And that transparency is what allows us, enables us to develop a brand that we would like to be known for, which is reliability. So I'm glad you asked the question because we happen to do a series called uh, Let's Talk Port, where we hold public forums around the Long Beach community. We do this several times a year. Our communication staff organizes it. And it gives everyone in the community a chance to learn about the port. So uh, what we're doing today at this time it, it, with your podcast is just another example uh, of how we're, we're, we're utilizing every opportunity to help get the word out about what we're doing to improve the overall uh, business experience for our supply chain.
0: That's great, and it sounds like you are really, you know, taking initiatives and, and putting really great initiatives out into the community. And not only are you investing dollars into the community and into the supply chain, you are investing the time, you are investing the the effort, the the data collection. You know, really trying to improve. On an everyday basis or a year to year basis, which I really like to hear because at the end of the day, like you said, we're all interdependent on each other, but we're not connected necessarily. And it looks like, you know, the Port of Long Beach is really putting everything into that to make sure that we stay connected and that we can, you know, really successfully manage that end to end supply chain. So I like that. Uh, I like all the initiatives that you're doing in both the supply chain community and in your local community as well. So what keeps you up at night? I mean, you've, you've spoken about so many things and so many initiatives and it sounds like port of long beach and, and um, your teams are, are very incredibly busy. There's so much to do. So what keeps you up at night?
1: What keeps me up at night? That's probably the driving question, right? That's the question that drives what we do. It's, It's the fact that we're on this very ambitious, very aggressive capital investment plan, $4 billion over 10 years. It's the fact that we're applying technology uh, to our supply chain uh, pain points to uh, facilitate solutions. It's the fact that we're investing in our rail system to make it more uh, reliable and efficient. And I say that because as we're moving forward with all these major initiatives, uh, competition is intensifying. Uh, Ports north of us in Canada, south of us in Mexico, their respective countries are pouring billions of dollars in their port system. Uh, They're investing aggressively in their infrastructure. In fact, each country is developing a national freight strategies and plans that are guiding their developments. And over time, um, those efforts by our, our friends in Canada and Mexico uh, will present options and alternatives for our customers. And it, it's that intensified competition uh, that keeps us up at night because it, it, it forces us to ask ourselves the questions, are we doing it enough? Uh, is investing $4 billion over 10 years to upgrade it and, and modernize our facilities, expanding our rail footprint, ensuring that that we have... Uh, the right resources in place to to move uh, and handle containers when they cross our docks, is that enough? And that's the reason why we're constantly engaging our, our customers. We're constantly enge- engaging our industry partners, the entire port ecosystem to make sure that what we're doing, what we're investing is in line with uh, the needs uh, of our customers. So I would say, Sarah, that that's what keeps us up at night. It's making sure that the plan that that we have laid out for our future, uh, is in alignment with changing trends, whether it's the shift from China to Southeast Asia, changing customer demands, uh, the evolution of bigger ships, uh, the consolidation in the shipping line industry, and uh, the, the alliance needs for terminals, uh, the rapid evolution of e-commerce, and the disruption that creates for the supply chain. Uh, all these megatrends That are evolving around us, making sure that our plan for the future uh, is flexible enough and it's 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 adaptable enough to be able to uh, cover all these all these trends.
0: Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about sustainability, because I think that was one thing that I didn't really hear too much about. But there's a lot of people talking about that. You know, how do we make our supply chains more sustainable? Um, you know, eco-friendly, better, better to the environment, that kind of thing. Where do you see opportunities and roadblocks when it comes to sustainability?
1: Sarah, I'm glad you asked the question because we we pride ourselves in being a green port. In fact, uh, we were the green. We, we are the first green port. And one of the things that flatters us when when we visit uh, ports uh, across the globe is how many of them are now calling themselves green ports, but. This whole uh, notion of becoming a green port started here in Southern California, and it was a series of policies uh, that we adopted uh, that moved us towards a more sustainable uh, port operation. and And I'll be very candid with you: uh, I'm talking back in 2004, 2005, that time period. This whole notion of having a green port was 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 was. Never talked about it. it. It was so far into the future that there were even skeptics about whether or not we would be able to become a green port. Uh, and here we are almost fifteen years later, and and I can tell you that we've managed to not just become a green port, but we've managed to become a green port while continuing uh, to grow our business. So to me, it, it shows two things. Number one, that our commitment to becoming a green port was serious and it's paid off. And it also shows that our customers uh, were willing to continue to place their confidence in us, even as we went through that transformation. And I say our customers, because uh, in order for us to become a green port, it really took the entire port ecosystem uh, to join us. Uh, And I'm talking about uh, the shipping lines, the terminals, the trucking companies, and everyone in the supply chain making a concerted effort to become more sustainable. I'll share with you just a couple of programs that illustrate how we were able to achieve this. Um, one is the Clean Trucks Program, uh, where we essentially um, uh, drafted uh, policies uh, here within the Port District um, that banned trucks uh, that were uh, dirty, that were older, and, and, and we set a threshold for what types of trucks can enter our port. And that was the first uh, effort that really moved us into that sustainable track. Um, That clean trucks program has gone through several iterations. We're now at a point where trucks that are 2014 or or older uh, are are no longer uh, able to come into our port. And we're now bracing ourselves towards a, a zero emissions future. So we're looking at A future where by 2035, Sarah, uh, we're looking at trucks that are zero emissions. So that gives you just one example of how we we were able to push the envelope, how we've been able to raise the bar, but always in collaboration with our industry partners. Because, again, we could never do this uh, by ourselves. Uh, We've done the same thing uh, as it relates to equipment. Um, We've done the same thing as it relates to the emissions that are generated by ships, through slow steaming uh, policies and incentives. And the state of California uh, itself has also passed regulations that require ships to plug in or use uh, an acceptable alternative. So what we've been able to do here in Long Beach is uh, is get this whole notion of a sustainable port and a sustainable supply chain going. And we can't be more pleased with the momentum that's created over the years and and how far we've been able to uh, push the needle uh, on the trucking side, uh, on the ship side, on the equipment side. And it's something that we're going to continue to pursue as we pursue a zero emissions future.
0: Great. And I just want to say thank you to you you and the team and the Port of Long Beach for using your voice um, and making change. Because there's a lot of times that companies don't use that voice, don't want to make waves or make some of those much needed changes that we need, not only for the future of supply chain, but just the future of, you know, people, the future of the planet. And I think that those initiatives are great. And I just love that you've been able to use your voice. So you mentioned future. Um, let's talk about the future. You're doing so many things. There's a lot to do. There's a lot that's keeping you up at night. So what's next for the Port of Long Beach?
1: We're very committed to a future that's grain, uh, a future that is uh, operationally excellent, a, a future that positions us to be globally competitive. So uh, let me start with, with the environment on the sustainable, on the sustainability side. Uh, This latest iteration of the Clean Air Action Plan, which was approved in in the fall of 2017, that puts us uh, on track to a future where by 2030, uh, cargo handling equipment will be uh, zero emissions. And by 2035, trucks entering the port will be zero emissions. And there are a number of other initiatives that fall under that Clean Air Action Plan that will continue to push us towards a more sustainable future. That's that's one piece. The other piece is on the operational excellence side, we view sustainability and efficiency as two sides of the same coin because we believe that in order to be more efficient, in order to move cargo more efficiently and reliably, we can accomplish that by being more sustainable. And the two are uh, synergistic. So we will continue to work on... Um, optimizing our operations. We will continue to look for ways to raise the bar when it comes to uh, operations and operational excellence, whether it's uh, improving our, our rail efficiencies, uh, the, the, the time it takes us to process trucks when they come in a drop-off container or pick one up, uh, whether it's how many days uh, it takes a ship to unload their cargo and, and be able to turn around back to Asia so we're looking at every single aspect of port operations and looking for ways to add value, looking for ways to shorten the handoff points, looking for ways to address um, misalignment between segments. Um, and, and that's going to continue to be a priority for us going forward. And then the third piece, Sarah, is we, we want to be known as a leader not just in terms of operational excellence and sustainability, but we also want to be known as a leader when it comes to technology. Uh, We want to be a trailblazer when it comes to uh, leveraging technology that's currently being utilized in other spaces and other industries and applying those technologies to operations to make sure that we're uh, making use of what's working uh, and applying it to our supply chain. So we're very confident. Uh, It's a very bold plan for the future, but we've, we've always been known as a port that is not afraid of using its voice, of being a leader, a, a, and making sure that, that we're blazing the trails when it comes to port operations.
0: Great. Well, make sure to keep a close eye on the port of Long Beach because they are up to big things and working on ways to collaborate and take ocean shipping into the future of customer experience. If you want to connect with them, I will have all of the information at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 54, or you can visit them at their website, which is P O L B. Thank you so much to Michelle and the team over at the Port of Long Beach for helping to make this interview happen. It is so amazing to be able to hear from the Port of Long Beach and from Noel what they're doing, how they're thinking about the future, what they're incorporating as far as technology. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And thank you so much, Noel, for coming on the show today.
1: Sarah, it was my absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, the opportunity.
0: If you liked this episode, be sure to check out the rest of my episodes from season one and season two at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcasts. In my next episode, Jonathan Briggs from DHL is joining me to discuss his recent article called The Value of Speed, the cost to ship versus the cost to serve. So what does that mean? Well, you're going to find out by tuning into the show next week. And if you would like to support the show in any way, there's a few ways to do that. One is to rate and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher so that other people can find the show. But also, I will feature your review on an upcoming episode. I also have a supply chain dictionary. That's 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions that you're going to need to navigate through supply chain and some of the conversations that you might have, some of the documents, that kind of thing. And you're going to find that at shop at letstalksupplychain.com and be a part of the conversations in listeners corner. So I post a question every single Wednesday on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, Twitter and Instagram. And we have some amazing supply chain community conversations that you're going to want to be a part of. And if you missed those sessions or if you miss those questions, go to listeners corner at letstalksupplychain.com and I list all the questions and all the answers from the community so that you can go and check that out at a later date as well. And lastly, Ships.com, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com. I I am working on an online transportation platform that you're going to want to know about as soon as we launch. So go and put in your name and your email address so that you can be one of the first people to know about it when I'm ready to let everybody know about it. So thank you so much for listening, for supporting the show, the blog, and soon to be my YouTube channel. Have an amazing day. And remember everybody, ship happens.